Alright, we locked in right now. It's the Wheel One Podcast. Got a special guest in the cut. You know, got my friend Bentley here. Introduce yourself to the people. Hello, I'm Bentley Blaze. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem, no problem. I'm glad they could actually, you know, get this done. You know, that, that means a lot. So, uh, well, I'm one- so sorry it's taken so long. Ah, I'm nah. so busy these days. And, you know, whenever it rains, it pours, so everything comes in full flex. Literally so. and figuratively. It, it was just, I we just had thunderstorms up here. I know, you know, we're going to get into where you're from, you know, soon enough, you know. But yeah, it was it was a little crazy thing going on over here. But anyways, you know we're gonna we know we usually like to get into it how we do over here is uh, we like to go like way back from the beginning, so as far back as you can think about. Like tell me about like you know the early life, you know, family, where you grew up, where you come from, like you know all that. Like well. Okay, um, so I am from Amarillo, Texas. My family relocated here from South Texas before I was a year old. So this is really the only place that I've ever known. And I grew up here and went to school in Canyon. My dad is a veterinarian. Um, so I was very blessed to grow up with wildlife and animals. And he is a well-known equine reproduction specialist. They do cloning and artificial insemination. And oh, like shit. he's a crazy dad <laughs> So, I was just about to say that he's got a little bit of a bad scientist right there, but you know that that's a, that sounds like an interesting that, upbringing. That is him in a nutshell, and um, I have an older sister and two little brothers, and they all have kids. I'm an auntie, and uh, my oldest sister has a daughter and a son, and then my brother, that's closest to my age, has a daughter and a son, and then my baby brother has a daughter. Yeah, that, I know how that I know. <laughs> Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, I cut you off. No, no, no worries. And then, you know, my mom, like, was a housemaker, and she is one of my very best friends and one of the strongest forces in my life, so I had to make sure to throw in my mom too. Of course, moms <laughs> always need the love, because, you know, i got to shout out moms all the time, you know, they're always there, solid rock. So, Absolutely. like, tell me about, like, that life, just growing up, like, that Texas life, just so, you know, because, like, for most of my viewers, because, you know, with us living out here in Canada, I'm like, you know... I just want to, like, I'm just interested in just how it is, like, growing up or out there. Well, I grew up in a very atypical manner anyway. It's not, like, how most people do. But, I, you know, I was a tomboy, and there was a lot of fishing and hiking. And um, I grew up in a canyon. I essentially, our house was in the bottom of a bowl. <laughs> Seriously? So, it, yeah, it was really neat. Um <laughs> Calidera Canyon is in Canyon, Texas, okay. where I'm from, which is the second largest canyon in the United States. Oh, so the, there's the Grand Canyon and the Calidera Canyon in size is right after. And so it's like our own little tiny canyon. <laughs> I grew up in Timber Creek, which is part of that. And we had all kinds of um, horses and it was really a fun experience growing up in that area at and my parents still live out there, so it's, like, one of my safe places. I love and enjoy going out to visit still. I mean, that's one of the best things when your parents still kind of live in the place that you grew up in. Because it's like, eh, it's still my house anyways. Like, I could always go back. Like, you know? Exactly. Well, and I do laundry out there. So <laughs> I'm, I'm out there at least, like, a couple times a week. Uh, I, I don't blame you. I Like, you know, my laundry still gets done in my parents' house, too. So, you know, <laughs> it is well, what it is. Have- I moved out um, 
five years post-injury okay. and got my own little place. And so I have my own little efficiency I stay in now. And um, it is an old garage that was con- that, that converted into a one-bedroom oh. apartment. And it is just perfect for me, but there's no washer, dryer, hookups, or anything mm. like that. So It's like the one, the one, you know, the one con to everything, to all the pros, but... And, you know, you, you roll with the punches, like we were saying earlier. I can handle not having a washer. Dryer. Exactly. <laughs> That's, like, the least of our worries sometimes. <laughs> but, um, so, like, tell me more about, like, just the hobbies and, like, you know, things that you guys did for, like, for fun when you were growing up, them, like, you know, around around in the in the canyon area. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, I mean, saying, right? we all played sports, me and my siblings. Um, my sister's part of it older than us, so... She graduated when I was 10, and okay. um, but my brothers and I were always getting into stuff, and there's we did a lot of fishing and outdoors-type things and hunting, and um, we all played, like, basketball. I played football. We all, my baby brother was really good at baseball. He played for college. Oh. Um, so um, yeah. a couple questions there. What was your position in football? What was mine? Yeah, well, oh, um, a receiver. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You you were quick on the feet. Black football. So <laughs> it was a long time ago. I um I didn't get to play very physical sports as I got older. These were my younger, like much much younger days. Um, I've had a pacemaker since I was eight, oh, and so shit. my family was scared to let me play really high contact sports and things like that, which is funny because as an adult I was a mixed martial artist and um you're so, like fuck all that noise that you guys were talking about earlier <laughs> yeah like yeah y'all are worried about me hurting myself in football like just wait <laughs> like, exactly so um like you know leading into that what were like some of it like your passions that you had as a kid like growing up and like you know do you still have some of them now I, I loved animals and yes I still do like I I showed horses and was in 4-H. I did, like, cutting and barrels, uh, showmanship, western um, showmanship. It was, like, jumping. I did English and western. But my passion when I was younger was definitely horses. So, like, what what kind of drawn you into, like, the horses, especially, like, why, why you just had such a love for them? My dad. Mm, of course, the mad scientist veterinarian. Mm-hmm. Around all the horses, so I mean, so kind of comes with it. I like me personally. I'm like scared shitless of horses because, like, I'm like I'm not a small dude, but like they were just always just like, oh, I feel like they're just too big, and God only knows what's gonna happen, and like my anxiety would just go through. Sorry, hearing whining. My dog is being a very quick. Uh, she, no, it's like, okay. She gets weirded out when I do my podcast and I'm talking. She she thinks I'm talking to myself or something, I guess. And so you'll hear a little faint. Like, yeah, no, nah, she's just checking up on you. <laughs> she's just checking so up on you. I apologize. Thank you. She'll probably come. Yeah, she's going to come say hello. But this Let's is see. Bella. She is my 95-pound Doberman. Go, go. That's a big, that's a big, she's a big girl. She's a big girl. She's a big girl. She's my size. She. Um, she takes up as much room as I do in the bed, that's for sure, and she only weighs about 30 pounds less than I do, so. So, uh, you know, she's up there, she's up there, but, you know, that's, she brings all the love, and she's trying to make sure you're good all the time, you know, so that's why she was just checking in, she's like, alright, 
making sure that everything's good. I'll do my own thing now. Yep. Now, like, uh, now that we kind of got into more about, like, you know, the upbringing stuff, I kind of want to know about, like, how your views on, like, some of, um, someone on, like, society are. As a like, just, like, a woman, you know, that lives in, like, you know, Texas is where you do, and then as being, like, a disabled woman at that. The disability is not the hard part, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> you know, um, as you can tell, I don't look like a typical person in general. <laughs> um, I also have very different views. I live in the Bible Belt. Oh, and yeah. um, so I grew up in a very conservative, very Christian, very strict kind of environment and being a little rebel and <laughs> being someone that views the world quite differently. Mm -hmm. It has been a challenge, but my disability has not hindered anything in my life in this vicinity, particularly. Mm. And I'm very blessed. I have a lot of people that just take care of me and go above and beyond to accommodate my disability, um, particularly like my school. I go to WTE, A&MU, uh, here locally. It's like the sister school of A&M. Okay, shout out, um, shout out. <laughs> and uh, I returned to school like in the fall. It was my first semester back. I graduated was in 2019 with my associates in horticulture science. Um, I went back to school when I was 30 and paralyzed. So it was a culture shock initially, to say the very least, but everyone embraced me and made everything that I was insecure about, nobody made me feel that way. So that was a nice change of pace. And I started going, you know, for cannabis initially, like when I went back to school, this was like right when I moved into my apartment is the same timeline i went to the gating program at craig hospital okay. in january to about march in 2018 and i lived up there by myself for about eight weeks and so that kind of opened my eyes to everything like okay looking well, like I keep in mind, I did stay in like a hospital apartment, so everything yeah. was accommodated, for. customized yeah. to be functional for me and everything. But I had my own vehicle, and I explored Denver, and just I, I'm like, I can do this, you know, because they originally, you know, don't think that you can live independently, like the vast majority of us. Anyway, yeah. that's not like usually what happens and I was like I can do this and one of my physical therapists really encouraged me to go back to school and I'm like I'm sorry be quiet stop I'm so sorry don't worry about it don't worry about it, it happens my neighbor's <laughs> dogs are barking right now so you know it's all good <laughs> so um one of my physical therapists really encouraged that and I'm like I'm 30 I am like too old to do this i've been through too much like this is just that's that's not old really, at all this was not in my cards kind of mentality and i did go to school off and on before i was injured and i went to school for physical education and i Funny did enough. get certified to be a group fitness instructor as well as a personal trainer and so i was like well i don't have to finish i'm already getting paid to do what i'm wanting to do and so i did have 
a significant amount of credits already. And I was trying to move up to Denver after I went to rehabilitation, the gating program, and that apartment fell through and it was just devastated. And I was like, okay, well, it, which in hindsight, I'm glad it did. It was, it, everything happened as it was supposed to. Um, everything happens for a reason. I randomly went up to Amarillo College and was like, okay, let's see what kind of classes I'd have to take to finish this degree. And unfortunately, they didn't have the physical education degree plan anymore. Mm. And so I was just going to go ahead and finish my um, general studies. And I... You know, I was like, all right, I'll start taking classes. And I went up there at the beginning of March and in like a week started taking the intercession classes, the eight-week classes. And I was encouraged by one of my teachers, which he ended up being one of my biology teachers later, but he was uh, teaching professional management skills essentially as this class I had to take. And was mentioning that they were starting the horticulture program in the fall and really pushed me to go to that. And I was like, okay, and I want to be a part of the cannabis industry. I really have a big inclination to support medicinal treats and things like that. I'd like a nonprofit eventually to where terminal and disabled patients get their medicine for free. So that was what brought me to that program I was like okay cool like I'll have a degree about plants and things and that will help me in the long run regardless of whatever that's a good entryway and I started taking classes and I was in the first horticulture class at Emerald College and was doing the program and I started learning and educating my self on the field and I just fell in love with agriculture. I had to take an agronomy class, which <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. Explain that to people who, who uh, like the the rest of us who don't, who don't, who don't know what that is. Agronomy is the study of agriculture. Okay. All right. <laughs> very simple as much as it sounds as, as complicated it as it sounds. Like very complex and it would, but it's literally agriculture. Uh, <laughs> so I, I know I did the same thing. So it's completely understandable. And it kind of snowballed from there. Um, I fell in love with agriculture and then I had a botany teacher that made me fall in love with plants, like even more so, not just cannabis. You know? <laughs> I mean, even though that's a beautiful plant. Yeah. Right. And so, and I also just absolutely fell in love with chemistry, which I did not anticipate in the least bit. And Really? Even um, being a scientist's daughter? Well, fuck, I've been a degenerate. Like, <laughs> like, that's what I was going to say. I was going to get to it at some point. You know, like, I got court ordered to get my GED when I was 16. Oh. Wow. And so I, no, that is very, and I, so since I was so young, whenever I was, like, forced to leave school, I had never taken chemistry mm. or physics or anything like that. And so, of course, I did have to take introductory chemistry and then chem one and chem two. And it challenged me, and I actually did really well, and it's really benefited me as a senior in my university, having Mm -hmm. the chemistry background and a little bit better understanding of all of those things, um, and having the applicable knowledge for my 
future classes was huge. And I just, I, I don't know how familiar you are with chemistry, but it's very difficult. I, not at all. Well. Not at all. I was, I, science was not <laughs> one of my good, my good subjects in school. So, uh, just opened my eyes to so much, and uh, I was actually the president of the STEM club a semester oh, at Emerald College, and I got to, they just kind of let me do what I want with the equipment <laughs> and the machines, and I got to play with, like, all the different experiments, and it was just, I was getting to do already senior level things with my, like, freshman and sophomore classes, so it was pretty cool. I mean, I can imagine how, like, amazing that would be from going to a couple months before that thinking oh i can't do this like you know i'm too old I'm for like, this i'm in charge of things and you know i um i have struggled with substance abuse on and off my entire life and at that juncture i was still drinking and partying and things like that um but i maintained a good gpa i'd never made the dean's list and so i made all a's and b's and uh, was just having a heyday and um my best friend passed away in december of 2018 Sorry to so hear that. sadly she didn't get to see me graduate i graduated a year after her passing and after she passed i just went off the rails and i did not handle it well to put it lightly and i really dove down deep into my addictions like i was just trying to fill a void with booze and blow and booty calls, which is not attainable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a deeper hole that you create in there. Yeah. And so I managed to get through the last few classes that I had. I don't know how, but uh, after I finished, I got, you know, I graduated in December of 2019. Well then the pandemic happened shortly <laughs> after that. And, I hadn't planned on going to school at that juncture anyway, but it really put a damper on everything mm -hmm. in general. But for my school, like I, I had no inclination to keep going. I was like, I got my degree. This is, I'm done. Yeah. And I quit drinking in November of 2020. So I've been sober a little over a year and a half. And Shout out I to you for that. And all of the things. And so uh, last summer, I was painting full time. I also just decided to be an artist one day in the midst of my sobriety. And it I took mean, off. And I was very successful very quickly in I mean, those endeavors. And I, you know, I had to figure out, like, I vastly underestimated how much time and energy I put into partying mm. and, like, my debauchery and other things. So I'm like, what am I going to do? And I woke up one morning in July and was like, you know what, I'm going to go back to school. Yeah. And I went to Canyon and I filled out all my FAFSA and I registered for classes. And in August, I started going to school again. And... I'm absolutely thriving. Since August, I've completed 30 hours worth of classes, and oh, wow. I made straight A's. I made the president's list last semester and this one. Well, shout out to you awesome. again for that. You know, those are Thank big you. things. I was a part of the agronomy club. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> soon, soon to be president. Soon to be president. You know, who knows? Uh, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> but 
I, it was fun. You know, it was quite wild. I yeah. like being involved with the philanthropy of things like that, but I'm very different, and I I don't go and be a part of things that I'm not celebrated anymore. Mm. And if that makes any sense, no one's ever made me feel less than or anything like that. But it's a bunch of young twenty-year-old cowboys. Cowgirls, like essentially, that are my peers, and that's great, and that's fine and dandy and wonderful. But I don't fit that demographic. I, I can I can only imagine because it's like you know even what you're saying, like growing up and like being living in the Bible Belt and this, like literally just the way you look. I'm pretty sure it's just like you know some people it's just like oh interesting because like you just yeah, stand up. We did have a steak store in my school, like. It's like the biggest meat lab in the oh, United wow. States, apparently. I don't know if I didn't know all of these things until I was there. But yeah, you, we have a store where you can go in and buy steaks and add building. Like, that's how country we are. I mean, clearly, I don't look very country. <laughs> I am. That's what's very funny. It's, like, it's the country in the heart. It, it, you know, it, it's it, it, never judge a book by its cover. As much as you don't look country, you still got it in you. You know that's the thing. And I am, and like you know, I I'm very country, and that's what's so hilarious to me. And I'm also a lot older than everybody, but I look young. Yeah, of course. Uh, don't worry. I'm, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people didn't even realize that. You, you had to tell they them. They don't. No, and especially because I do have such a useful, uh, youthful aesthetic. It's a youthful <laughs> aesthetic. <laughs> Words are hard today. It's all good. It's all good. But that helps, you well, know. Um, oh, I'm definitely. not treated like I'm a geriatric student for the most part. And it actually has been very helpful because I have such a great rapport with all of my mentors and all of the instructors and heads of the department and things and because I am older I think I get more of a treatment as an equal instead mm. of as a student Yeah, and I have so much life experience that I, it really has worked out in my benefit entirely like every struggle and strike I've had has helped me and you know speaking of that like i kind of want to roll that into like my next question which is like usually you know with everyone on the podcast we mental health is always a big thing for for me on the podcast especially with like you know having the spinal cord injury and like usually I ask people about like a traumatic incident that they've had that made them like think about their mental health and for me i think one one question that's simple you know since you're since you have a spinal cord injury and obviously you weren't born with one how did that happen I got shot in 2013. Sorry to hear that. I got shot too. So, you know, you know we, we're in the same club, kind of. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? We, 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 just, we just too strong like that. We just, we just hug them, you know? <laughs> I'm fucking around. But, um, but people don't realize how common that actually is. It's a, what, and, like, I love and respect that we can understand each other and empathize on that level. Yeah. But most people just assume you were in a car wreck. Like, that's the typical understanding. Like, when was your car wreck? I'm like, um, I got shot, shot. actually. And then it's like the look that everyone gives you. It's like the, oh, oh. I was just about to say, you know, like, you live it. It's it's your life. So it's Mm -hmm. not as traumatizing to speak of it, at least at this juncture anymore. 
and the shock factor and you just answering what happened to you like people treat you like a leper you know you're just like it's you like, ask the question if you can't handle my answer don't ask the question especially because like then usually they ask the question and it's like a whole bunch of follow-up questions like oh so what happened what were you doing what like, were you doing i hate that fucking question on. I hate that question. Like, what the fuck you mean? What was I doing? Like, do I have to be doing something? Yeah, it's, you know, I, I do know, like, so my boyfriend at the time is who shot me. Oh, and, fuck. Yeah, fuck that guy. So it wasn't random. It was, it, I mean, it was fucking random. But it wasn't, like, just, an, I wasn't an innocent victim circumstance, mm-hmm. per se. And I did absolutely own my own part and what happened to me okay but i never should have been shot nor deserved to yeah of course not that's it is just disgusting how people just are so insensitive about such a traumatic thing if that makes any sense oh no trust me i definitely know it like it happens to me on a daily basis i like i tell my girlfriend this like Sometimes I'd leave my house and some of us look at me and like, what's, so what's, what's wrong with your legs? And it's like... Well, nothing's wrong with my legs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, you know, well, actually, so like, you got to get to the whole story. And, Final word. <laughs> yeah, you know, got a little situation that happened there. And it's just like, people can be very insensitive because people don't realize like the things that they say are sometimes it's like, how they say them. Or how they say it. And I'm, I'm very weird about learning anyways. And I've had to work on that. That's clearly one of my triggers. And I have really put in a lot of work. I was a very angry, mean person for the vast majority of my injury, like post-injury. This this is stereotypical, this stereotypical, like, you know, mean person in the wheelchair. Which is, like, it's, like, I hate to say that, because, like, I feel like that's, like, um, as an able-bodied person, that's what, like, I assumed. And then when I got into the chair, it's like, that would oh, piss me it. off. I get why you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> it was that, and then it would piss me off where people, like, I've even had people, like, when I've, like, I've yelled at people for, like, driving on a ramp and just, like, parking there. Like, it's a fucking parking and space. I used to be, like, very big on getting everybody is doing every kind of thing and like taking it upon myself as like a personal vendetta to make sure and like I still do those things but there's a lot of stuff that you have to let go yeah ignorance is really rampant <laughs> very <laughs> true unfortunately because I've, I've definitely felt like I wanted to like fucking fucking throw shit at people literally like that literally had that feeling where it's like I just want to sh- throw shit at this person right now because why are you like why are you acting like this? You know, it's ridiculous. But um, and I also realized my shortcomings pre-injury. Like, I did a lot of the things that other people do because I didn't know better. Yeah, very true, very true. I mean, the very, this is the same for me. Like, you know, I feel like I was, like, somewhat lucky where it's, like, um, I had a past relationship where uh, an ex-girlfriend of mine, she had a son that he was, a, he was in a wheelchair, but he had, like, some sort of nerve issue. So it's, like... I've seen a person like live living like live the life of a person that had to like you know be a wheelchair user, and it had it made give me somewhat of understanding. But then when I got into the chair, it was like it's completely different. Yeah, it was like this kid is so strong because he was like when I first met him, he was like probably like seven years old, and I was like this kid is fucking strong. 
Cause like he was so full of life, and this shit is hard as fuck. <laughs> but oh man, that's just um. But like, let's talk more about just about how like how you kind of like when when you got into the chair and like you know how that affected your mental health and like kind of like how you used the negative and kind of turned into a positive. I didn't for a very long time. Like most of while. the vast majority of the healing, as far as my mental health goes and my spirituality and my emotional intelligence has grown immensely as well. But for the first five years of my injury, I was heavily medicated uh-huh. and I, I now am prescription free. I don't take any kinds of pharmaceuticals. Um, I have a sleeping aid, which I don't not that yeah. a pharmaceutical, but um, I was on 40 to 50 pills every single day Shit. and yeah. And so I wasn't living. I was just existing and I was in a state of being zombified for so long. And I, I don't know really what drove me, but something did to get off of those pills. And I did, it took a year and a half of weaning like slowly and it was excruciating and it was terrible. And, I know, I know the feeling. Something I recommend for someone to go into lightheartedly it is something you have to want entirely. Yeah. And you have to understand that you're going to hurt, particularly <laughs> physically, like for the entire time. duration of that time. Yeah. But you are also, like, it's the worst mental struggle I've ever really experienced, um, besides extensive grief. And it's just, you start getting clearer and clearer and start feeling things that you have been numb to for so long. And it just, you know, you're like, wow, I'm awake after all of this time. And I, you know, also was 25 when I was injured and it's like, I just woke up when I was 30 and Mm -hmm. even now I'm about to be 35 and I'm in a perpetual state of being a 25 year old girl. Like, I mean, I, I, I kind of know what you mean, because, like, for me, I got hurt when I was 23, so it's, like, very similar, where it's, like, and now I'm, I'm 28 now, so it's just, like, it's in this weird state where it's, like, I still feel like I'm kind of, like, like you said, like, still kind of, like, young when I was back then. But, but you're wise. Like, yeah. you're eternally youthful, but fucking still geriatric. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's, it's, it's a, a conundrum. <laughs> like, <laughs> it, just, it just fucks with me so I know so much more now. <laughs> I've seen a whole different side of life that I think, like, you know, I'm make 30 years or 40 years too soon. But, you know, it, it is what it is. We get through it. Um, exactly. And even with, like, my attractions, and it was so weird, you know, um, I was completely celibate and I, I didn't drink alcohol, but I was abusing opioids and things. Like, so I don't mm-hmm. consider this part of my journey sober. Mm-hmm. But for the first for almost half years, I didn't drink alcohol after injury. And then I also like, because it was my boyfriend, I had severe intimacy issues, which I still am working on. But we'll I mean, I could only that. imagine like that. That's like, you know, you went through a pretty fucked up situation. And so I didn't let anyone even so much as touch me like <laughs> for many years. And, then I moved out on my own again and it was like being 18 years old all over again. And I would like start a partying and all of the things. And 
like all like even the people I was attracted to were much younger. Like I had never been into younger people, and then I, all of a sudden I had a bunch of snack packs. Like everybody was like ten plus years younger than me, and it was like a weird transition. Like it happens. It happens though. You know, like you know, I was a young guy that used to go for the the, the older women myself. So you know, I know how it, I know how it could be sometimes. So I Everything's okay, weird now. Different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could imagine just because, like, um, I've had uh, a friend of mine on, on the podcast earlier, and she's like, she has a spinal injury, and she was just talking about less how different it is in general, just because it's like the littlest things of where it's like she noticed, like, ah, well, shit, I might just fucking piss myself if things get get intimate like that, just because. You know, her bladder situation is, is a little different, and there's like there's all these other things. So I can just imagine where you now, where it's just like you're going through the stage where it's like you're kind of getting over, like into me. It's into ah fuck. Yeah, I'm having trouble with words. Words are hard today. Yeah, you know it happens. <laughs> but like you know, where it's like you're having these tr- these like intimacy issues, and then like get deal like being intimate, and then not being like sober while doing it, and then now like being sober while doing this the whole it's like it's like almost like three four transitions going on at one time oh everything like everything i'm doing is different entirely and it's it's been a struggle with creating this normalcy based around health mm-hmm. and wellness instead of just numbing and i have used drugs and drinking as a crutch for so long you know i since i was a teenager and i have gotten clean and all of these things many times over the years and it's 
I've never been this healthy, nor this, I have, nor have had this much clarity ever in my life. And so everything is whimsical and new and all of everything that I'm experiencing is stuff I actively tried to avoid for so long. And then throwing in the disability and that is even more bizarre. And I do things so different and I've noticed particularly, you know, I do a lot of things that most people in our disabled community don't do as far as just living like I'm not in a wheelchair. <laughs> um, we might have to pause for just one second, just because like, this, like, like this meeting might just close, so we're just trying to like, you know, upgrade the time just for a little bit. So we're, we're still rolling, but I'm just going to come right back to that. Okay. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry, I was trying to do it off camera. Oh. oh shit! Fuck! I don't know why I did that because it shouldn't do that if you're like multiple, only one person. Gotta send her another invitation. Yeah. Okay, get on, get on your phone. Say just a second. Gonna send you a new link. Because usually if it's only one, like one person. That was some bullshit. I know. She was in the middle of the good. It was fucking great. I know. And like usually if you only have one other person in the chat, it doesn't matter. Like if it's just two people, you're able to like, you're able to like, you know, whatever. Why did you even do that, though? I know, but that's what I'm saying, is, like, if you have multiple people, like, if you had mm. three people on the call, you can only do 40 minutes. Mm. But with only two people, you're supposed to be able to, like, go as long as you want. Mm -hmm. Oops. Oh, that's some shit. You can, if you, um... And we're still recording on, here, on this, too. No, we're not. Oh, over there, yeah. Mm. If you want to tell her that, like, this is the meeting ID and this is the password. Yeah. Don't you just send me the email? I did. Um, yeah. So I'm saying if she wants to like put that in, she can. But yeah, like it when it's only two people, you're supposed to be able to have unlimited time, which is why Marcus's was fine. So I don't know why it did that. I should have asked you to plug in on me earlier with it. Jesus. Did you get the email or no? No. Oh, sorry. No, it wasn't the whole thing. No, I know. 
maybe when you start back up, you'd be like, if you don't mind jumping back into the whatever, and then. Uh, it was like about being intimate with people, she was intimate with one person. Mm-hmm. Just tell me when you're ready and I can start. I'm start it. Recording in progress. <clears throat> so maybe just like try to think about 40 minutes from now, just in case, like 520. Mm-hmm. We're almost done, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I can stay right here if you want, but I just don't want to be too. Mm-hmm. You're not in the shot. Yeah. You just be like so sorry about that, and then be like, mm-hmm. if you don't, like when you start back up, be like, okay, if you don't. There's some serpentipical, you know, yeah. technical difficulties going on here. Be like, if you don't mind jumping back into the. Um, Basically, like dating or intimacy after that. Or even like asking, like, what she feels has been like the hardest part for her or something. I'm just thinking, wait, you can jump back into it. Sorry about that, you know, a little technical difficulties. I can hear you. Hold on. Shit. Can you hear me now? Hold on, I'm having issues hearing you again. Hold on. Oh, it's all good. Can you hear me? Yep. I can't hear you. Can't hear me? Microphone's on this side. I know. Okay, there we go. You hear me? Alright. Be gravy. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. Okay. Little technical difficulties, you know, but we're we're back at it. So, you know, um if you could just kinda like jump back into like, you know, how you're talking about just like, you know, the whole after effects of the transition of like, you know, now like, you know, being like the dating life of being little you know, having the spinal cord injury and this even like the area you you, you like you live in too, because like you said, you know, Bible Belt kind of like situation going on over there, and then it's like with you, like, yeah, just still like let, let, let's like get more into that again. That's vague. Can you be more specific? <laughs> like, uh, what's been like the most difficult thing that you've experienced since like you know with after having the injury and like with good getting back into the dating life, aside from like obviously the intimacy issues. Well, that's, like, the thing with me is I don't date, like, (laughs) per se. Like, I was ethically non-monogamous. Is like... I feel that. It's a polyamorous (laughs) thing. I I just, I I get that. Well, no, because it wasn't about love. Like, I was just trying to get dicked out. But I was, like, completely (laughs) honest about it. Like, you know, I was putting the hoe in on it. Like, you know, like, I just... (laughs) Yeah, I just fucking hit myself in the face. That was hilarious. (laughs) I'm just saying, like... No, I I totally get it. I think we've all had that phase in life where it's like, I'm just... It's just about the physical right now. I'm not really trying to get too deep into everything else. But I've always been that way. Like, I've only ever had two boyfriends, and 
one of them tried to kill me, so understandably... I can see why, you know, yeah. (laughs) And, uh, so, like, the actual... And and I, I say that loosely, like, I was not ever in exclusive relationships mm-hmm. or dated or anything like that. Like I got taken out and pampered and things like that and had like customers and dinner daddies and things. So it wasn't like I didn't date, like mm-hmm. go on dates, but I, I don't date. So. No, no, I told, I totally get what you mean. I totally get what you mean. I think that's like when most people are in, uh, in this day and age versus kind of like, you're kind of just doing your thing. And like whoever rocks with you is rock with you at the same time. Yes, well, and, and I'm also pansexual, so, like, I am fluid. I go back and forth between things that I want in life. <laughs> like, if I dig it, I'll keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's, like, you know, a quote for the day. Like, you know, so if you, if you like it, just keep doing it. Like, you know. Essentially, that's how I roll. <laughs> no pun intended, you know, no pun intended. Okay, okay, now, like, um, now, now that, like, one thing that kind of intri- intrigued me about you, maybe one interview, is this, your look in general now, I- I'm, I'm, obviously, I'm a lover of tattoos, and you're covered in them as the collector that you are. What started the love, and what made you just say, fuck it, I'm going all out with it? You know, um, my first tattoo was actually, and it's covered now, which it is funny because it's starting to show through. It's been 10 years. I need to get it touched up again. But it's a tribal tramp stamp. Oh, wow. And that's that's how old I am. <laughs> I didn't want to say it like that. I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say that. <laughs> it's, it's fine. It's the facts. But um, I it was a tribal tramp stamp. And for my first boyfriend, I had a horrible toxic relationship with that too and during that breakup I'm like if I can go through this tattoo I can go through any of this bullshit like I'm a strong independent woman type thing like I mean that the lower back area is pretty spicy yeah and it really wasn't bad for me and so I was like okay I can do this and I my best friend that I mentioned that passed away was a tattoo artist oh. and she worked at the shop where I got my first tattoo and she did my second tattoo and then tattooed me many, many times after that. And I was 19 going in there and became really, really good friends with her. And so she is who really just nurtured my love for tattoo and art in general i mean i think that's kind of amazing when you look back on it because it's like as sad as it is that you know she's not here right now it's like you can look back on like just on your body and have that remembrance of like oh man look at all these good times that we had you know and we had such a fun time and like i i was a stripper back in the day (laughs) also imagine that and (laughs) I, it was really brief, like, like actually working in clubs. I did more, like, bachelor parties and things like that. But she's the one who encouraged me to do that. Like, <laughs> I, she had another client that was, like, the baddest bitch in Amarillo. She's still <laughs> a bad bitch, but she's in Cali and stuff now. And she was all sleeved out and had big old fake titties. And <laughs> was just so cool. And, like, you know, uh... Kelly is my friend that passed. She introduced me to Nina, and mm-hmm. Nina kind of showed me the game. And 
that's like how this whole persona and everything was born. Um, mm. Nina owned a clothing line called Toxic Kitten. And so I'm one of the original OG kittens. Okay, okay. And, yeah, you gotta yeah. let them know. You gotta let them know. OG. Oh, yeah, OG in the cut. OG kitten up in here. Yeah. And so it's, um, it grew from that. We have like stripper Tuesdays like all the time. And so like me and two of my homegirls like that were dancers then who are now like moms and grandmas and nurses and career women and like boss bitches like I want to elaborate that, like, I love my sex workers, and I have so mm -hmm. many friends and people that I love and adore, like, over the years that either A, still work in the club, or B, like, worked in the club and are now, like, fucking lawyers and doctors and shit, like, I love all of the degenerates, like, these are my people. I feel like, um, those are sometimes are, like, the best of people, because of the people who try to, they like... They are, like, it's not even sometimes, like, it's... You know, I, I love people that are judged by the vast majority of other people because these other people haven't been through anything. They haven't been put in the situations that these other people have been through and lived through. And life has a way of humbling people that look down on other people. And so... <laughs> That is a that is a true fact. Like you know, it's like it's kind of crazy that you say that because like I didn't even think about like with my whole experience in life, and it's like of course the spinal cord injury humbled me, but then it made me like really, like have so much more empathy for the people like you said who just get judged on a regular basis because like yeah, not not even just other and that's like for me personally, I'm an inclusivity advocate. Mm -hmm. I want everybody to be included not just able bodies not even just disabled bodies exactly. like whether you can't hear whether you can't see if mm -hmm. you're vertically challenged if you're an amputee like any kind there's so of much more difference, than i want to be a part of my world <laughs> exactly i and i feel like that's a good thing because like you get so many like aspects and like like different views on life just because everyone's going through something different like even like me and you we both got shot and we're both in a wheelchair our our life experiences with that with that is still very different like you know and like that's like the beauty of everything and being a male and being a female like there's a lot of different variations and no two spinal cord injuries are the same exactly like, even if they're the exact same spinal cord injury <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what level injury. Like, I'm an L2, partial L3, oh, incomplete. I'm like T3, T4, incomplete. Yeah, so, so you're way higher than me. Exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I always tell people waist down because I don't want to get the full depth of like, it's actually like nipple down, but like, you know. And it, that's like, I never thought, so I have a TikTok account now, which I never fucking thought I'd do, but I was encouraged and I have a pretty decent following and things like that now. And that's the biggest thing I do is defend how paralyzed I am. <laughs> like, Which is I'm like the craziest completely thing. Completely floored, you know, like, oh, I saw your leg move. You're faking it. You're lying. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, it's like oh my gosh. People are like, so ignorant to that fact. Cause I think about it too. And it's like, like, even like my friends, I love them. But then sometimes like I would be in my chair and I'm like, ah, you know, I'm sitting in this too much. And I just stretch out a little bit and I get a spasm and my leg kicks in the air and they're like, bro, you, you can do this? You're <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's just a spasm, but I'm not doing this. You heal. 
<laughs> exactly. People think you're walking and you're perfectly fine. Like, forget all the internal in- like things that are going on with you. Like, you're walking. You're good. Like, it, it's, like, kind of crazy because, like, even me, like, like I said, I have the, the T4, it, like, T4 on T4 area. And it's, like, I can still kind of move my hips a little bit. Like, I got, like, that little motion back. And even that, I think people would be like, what? What do you mean you can move your hips? I thought you were, like, parallel. So it's like, I could get what you mean for a few words. Like, I'm pretty sure you can move a leg. Well, it's, like, just little things. Like, so, uh, and I, I'm very mobile. I'm a very high-function injury now. Like, mm. when I was first injured, I was essentially quadriplegic. And I have mm. gained all of the mobility and things that I have now. But I, so, and especially when I was drinking and things like that, mm. I... I always go get up into the bar stool. Like anyway, mm. like I transfer into the bar stool even now. Like I just left a bar celebration for an anniversary. Like I sit up in the bar stool. I like to be high level with everybody. You get tired of talking to people like that. Trust me. Like <laughs> and so I used to go to this restaurant and there was a guy that bartended there and I did that. Like I'd get up in the chair and and he would tell, and I was friends with the other employees. So the message got relayed back to me, but the guy was like, Oh, she's just faking it. Blah, 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 blah. Like she gets up in the bar stool. I'm like, you literally watched me lift myself up with just my arms. Like I didn't get up out of my chair, walk to the fucking stool. Like, that's just you are the, an idiot. It's like, the ignorance thing. Like, you think, like, I didn't go to rehab or some shit? Like, like this is, like, I just... Go for the parking. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, that's just the thing about it. Like, it's crazy how you, like, actually have to defend yourself on things like that. Like, when it's just, like, you're just trying to more educate people. And it's, like, it's turned into, like, it's a defense now where it's, like... I'm creating awareness, y'all. Like... <laughs> Like, clearly, obviously, you don't see wheelchair people enough, so this is why I'm letting you know that we are all different. Some of us can walk, but still use the chair. Like, little shit like that, but, you know, people people could be ignorant, and that's just kind of chalk it up to that sometimes. Like you said, we can't, we can't fight every battle. But I do put my time and energy into the injustices that I feel necessary, and that's mm-hmm. what's important. Exactly, exactly. I feel that's the best thing. So, I'm like, kind of like r- rolling into that, like you know, what are you kind of like? What what are what are some things that you're currently doing for yourself? Like you know that we kind of talked about, like you know the TikToking, the painting. Like you know, what are some other things that you're currently doing for yourself? Doing for myself, like in general. In general, like, like you know. Like, in general, but everything you can add, you can add that into it too, because the healing is a big part about it too. You know, mental and physical. I travel a lot. Um, I go um, to tattoo conventions pretty readily. I always wanted to go to one. I've never been to one yet. I'm going to two in June. I've got one in Houston the first weekend of June, and then the second weekend of June I go to Oklahoma City. Both of those are the villain arts. And I'm a part of the Carnival of Ink family. Oh. I'm actually a talent scout. And oh, shit. I went in March to go to that. And I'll go to the Lake of Ozarks in September. Um, my school schedule is kind of depleted going to the other two. But that's like my favorite. Like my little family is there. And um, are you familiar with human suspension? Yes. Because I watch a whole lot of videos about tattoo conventions. So I see them all the time. And I'm just like... How the fuck do these people do this? 
Well, I'm doing it in Oklahoma City. How do you do that? Like, especially as a like you know now as a person in the in the wheelchair, like how do you do that? I found a team that I absolutely love, adore, and trust, and I've wanted to do this since pre-injury. And so I'm going to do it. We're going to, um, if it changes up, I'm comfortable with that. But the needles will go in my back. It'll be two spots in my back. And I'll suspend from my shoulders. And I have uh, more nerve in my right side than in street than I do in my left. Mm-hmm. And so um, a good friend of mine is also coming and she does shibari. Are you familiar with that? No, let us know. Let us know because I, I don't know. So. It's like a fetish tying thing. You've, oh. I'm sure you've seen it, and you didn't know what it was. Yeah, tied up with rope. Yeah, I've like, seen it. I've seen it, but I'm like, I was just like, what? I'm like, why are they getting tied up like that? It was calm, like, <laughs> yeah. So um, she does shibari, and she's gonna tie my legs in a really neat shibari design. Oh. And so I'm gonna look more like a little mermaid instead of a dead fit, fucking worm <laughs> on a hook, like how I was like. I'm irrationally fearing. I'm like, I want to swing. I don't just want to hang there. Yeah, because like, like, do you still have like the hip movements to kind of like help you swing a little? Okay, all right. Okay, that's good. All right. So then, you know, you'll be good. You'll be looking like the mermaid that you should be looking like. That's what I'm hoping for. And it's going to be a beautiful experience. It's one of the most amazing energy exchanges I've ever felt. Like I've watched many other people go up for their first time Mm -hmm. and it's amazing. And I'm very hypersensitive to energies anyway. And so it's going to be just a beautiful experience. I'm not nervous about like the pain or the actual piercings and things like that. What I'm anxious about is going to be the crowd because it's going to be in front of a lot of people. Really? I would think that, like, you know, you seem, you seem like an outgoing person that wouldn't have, like, that issue with, like, just being in front of a crowd of people like that. It's not just being in front of a crowd in That's front true. of a bunch of people. <laughs> like, it's, that it's, is not the issue. Like, absolutely. That I'm not worried about. But having all of that attention focused on you and mm. it being a big deal. Like I'm a paraplegic experiencing this body system. I personally have never, ever, ever. I think this will be a first. I think this will be a first. And the, um, no gimmicks needed team. Um, I absolutely love and adore Sean and Frankie and and talking about this. Like I've been building this up for like the last year. I mean, it's months ago. I was like, I'm doing this. But, he had mentioned that he had done this with a little person who used a wheelchair. And I'm like, it's not the same, but <laughs> it's, yeah. And so um, I really like thought how long and hard about it and like the logistics of it. And I just, I, I want to do this. I'm going to do this and it's going to be beautiful. I'm going to come up out of my chair. So mm, it's going to look gonna great. It's going to look, it's going to look like you, like you almost like you're floating out of like the water. It's going to be amazing. Like, I keep having this mental image of getting, like, an underdog or something, like. (laughs) Oh, man. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be a first, you know. It's it's going to be. Oh no! I, like I said, I watch these like I, I'm on YouTube. Every time I'm like searching them, just tattoo conventions in general, just to see things. Like I love there, the art. Like, but, you watch, you know. like I have a, like sneaky suspicion this is gonna like blow up. Oh, definitely! So, like I said, it's a paraplegic woman turning into a mermaid. Like, how does that not go viral? Yeah, 
Yeah, it's dope. <laughs> so, um, that's what I have coming up in like a couple of weeks. And then like, I'm going to Boston for my first time in July and I'll get to go to like Salem and experience all that. And I go back to school in August and I am going for the abroad program. I get to oh. go to South Africa. In oh November. shit. You're, you're going all over the place, you know, like I, <laughs> I think that's like one of my fears, like subconsciously and a little like uh, one of my in- insecurities is like traveling because I'm like, I don't want to go on a plane and then like fuck up my chair. They're like, now I'm Those are all very valid fears. And that's a lot of things that I worry about, but I have trust in the universe and I'm not going to stop living because mm. of my limitations. Real And shit. so... I, I roll with it, like, again, like, little pun intended, but that's what I do, and I I travel by myself the vast majority of the oh, time, wow. too. Like, I, all of these tattoo conventions and things I go to, I road trip by myself. That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, like, I, like I'm, I'm an independent person, too, like, in the chair, like, you know, I live in my own apartment and stuff like that as well, so it's like, I when I would even just tell other people, like, well, that's why I can do that, they're just kind of like, whoa. Like, you know, so it's like for me to hear you're just like doing all this stuff that I think like, me, myself, I'm like, you know, as independent as I am, I'm still insecure about because it's like, ugh, like, you know, how long have you been injured? I'm going on five years now. So I'm still I'm still a baby in this. You're still very in like as, as, as much as like the complex of time, like really is subjective as well. I don't care who you are. It takes about five years into your spinal cord injury before you even like get acclimated to even thinking it as a normalcy oh yeah yeah definitely really because like for me i'd say the first two years was this dealing with the disbelief shock grief and like all these emotions kind of going at once and all the physical and occupational therapy and things like and just being in pain all the time and like you're in survival mode for the first five years. Like, I don't care who you are, and especially if you are on heavy medications or, you know, like, everybody's spinal cord injury is traumatic, no matter who you are. Mm-hmm. But whenever you are afflicted with a gunshot wound and things like that, you have issues that people can't even comprehend having to cope with. Yeah. And that's on top of having to deal with the physical bullshit of having a spinal yeah like that's the truth because like i even remember when i was at rehab like my nurses and like my physios they'd always make a joke about how like i would only go to the gym back to my room and like not, i wouldn't even go down my wing like I, I didn't go down there for like the first like two and a half months that i was there because i'm like i don't want to talk to nobody like i just well, got I shut want to be a part of that like like mentality Mm-mm. and like as shitty as that is me to say mm-hmm. like this is my community and i have embraced it okay. wholeheartedly entirely but at the beginning of my injury i don't want to be about around a bunch of other fucking hurt people like yeah and it was, was this, my mentality it was and, that for me too and then on top of it, it was like for because for me I, I don't know who shot me so it was like i don't know who shot me i don't want to be around you people who i don't know and like like now it's like that's like where the like yeah, anxiety that's is completely understandable psychologically mm-hmm. and also like and, uh, I had a fucking grandiosity complex myself I'm mm-hmm. like well you have not been through what I have been through <laughs> type thing I used to do and, that a lot <laughs> and that's not true and mm-hmm. also it doesn't matter how 
traumatic your experience was in comparison. Everybody's trauma is valid and it is equal. It doesn't matter if what I went through may have been more horrific. If somebody goes through a, a trauma that has psychologically made them imbalanced, it is the same. Yeah, like one thing I used to tell people a lot, just from like going through a lot of like group therapies and stuff like that, and you meet all these other different people, and I would meet some people where it's like, I've met one man, He, I think he like slipped and fell on ice. And he like broke his neck and he's like paralyzed from the neck down. He needs like help with everything. And like to move his chair, like he like breathes through like this almost like tube type thing. And it was just crazy to see little sensors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you do, you start like seeing people who comparatively are worse physically. And you're like, okay, my situation is not as bad as I am making it out to be. Exactly. This is completely my mindset at Mm -hmm. this juncture. But you have to go through those struggles and being a brat and being mad and all of the things. You have to go through that in order to get through to be on to that journey of healing Mm -hmm. and self-discovery. And getting acclimated to the real world as a disabled person is fucking difficult. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter who you are. I'm blessed to be very aggressive and have a big enough voice to be heard. And I demand respect and I demand to be treated as an equal. And that's why I am so big in the inclusivity of advocacy. I know, and I have so many friends that just accept things for as they are. Mm. And I'm a person that is going to make sure there's change like, I might be suffering and I might have to go through a bunch of bullshit to make something at a standard that I believe is acceptable. But if that makes it to where the next person won't have to struggle, then I'm fucking here for it. Yeah, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. And that's, I think that's like a, a beautiful way to kind of end this, too, where it's like, you know, where it's just like we're building up to a point where other people don't have to struggle in, in the ways that we have. And I feel like it's extremely beautiful, especially considering the fact that this whole like podcast is more about people telling their stories because you never know how there's going to be someone else who's going through what you're going through that needs to hear that to help them get through what, what, what they're going through. So, I, And I didn't realize how me just being transparent and candid about my life and the things that I do and because, you know, a lot of people absorb a lot of things like and I think I'm just living and doing what I should be doing exactly. and it's setting a really good example for the next person that's having to deal with this disabled life. Exactly. And like, I, but and I did everything wrong. <laughs> like I'm like, I can tell you what doesn't fucking work. Like <laughs> I am doing the right things now and I am being a good example and I am a strong force in our community, but I have not been like always like this is, you know, I'm coming up in my ninth year Mm. of my injury and I'm doing so much more and being such an amazing force just within the past year and a half because I did decide to take my life back I did decide to dedicate my life to my sobriety and my health and being a good person and that's come around full circle and like that's the amazing thing about it right right when you when you focus on everything doing things the right way because you you know you know what the wrong way is it's like, I know what the fuck doesn't work. <laughs> like, I didn't know what worked, but I knew I didn't. So, you know. And that was the difficult part about it. And, like, I am 
just learning and doing like everybody else, I just make this shit look a lot easier <laughs> than it really is. And I have come accustomed to that and I have to elaborate and I have to be like, look, not everybody's going to have it like me and not everyone's going to be able to do it like me. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make it for the people that can't to be able to do so. Then, nah, then that's beautiful. That's beautiful. That's that's what we're. That's what we're all. That's what we all should be here for. That's what I'm here for. You know, and I'm glad that that's what you're there for, especially like because we know how hard it is. You know, it's it's definitely not easy. So it's always good to have some help. So again, Bentley, thank you so much for coming through. You know, this was a great. Of course, interview, anytime. You know? you know, I really appreciate it. You know. Um, you know, I I gotta you know gotta do this you know to, to wrap it up. You know, still you know. Smash you know, spoil my stuff. I'm a chatter, so you have to tell me, okay, we're done. Oh, no, don't worry about that. It happens, it happens, it happens, you know, but it, it's all good. Like, you know, we kind of, I, I love people who are chatters because it helps the conversation flow more, you know, so don't even worry about it. There's it's a nothing good thing. worse than dead air and awkwardness, so I think that that's why I'm good at going on to podcasts because I didn't, I'll keep on talking and like, I'll leave the conversation if it's not going anywhere, which you were great to have a rapport with and everything, so, but yeah. Uh, no, nah, don't <laughs> worry about I'm it. I'm equipped for chatting, that's for sure. I appreciate it. We might have to have you on again after you go through, you after you go viral with your, you know, mermaid suspension. <laughs> Yeah, you totally keep your eyes out for that. Like, I'm really looking forward. I'm going to be looking out for it. And when I see it, I'm going to let you know. Trust me. All right. Well, you know, we're going to wrap this up for now. And, you know, Bentley, you know, we're going to have to get back to you on a later time. Especially, like I said, about that whole suspension mermaid. Absolutely. All right. So, you know, we're just going to wrap this up for now. And, yeah. Recording stopped. There we go. I think it's, did it save too? I stopped it. Yeah, I pressed the little button there. Now we're now we're off. We're off camera now. Now we can just be yeah. like regular. <laughs> I hope I, I hope I delivered the kind of content that you were looking for. Oh so, no, it was um, great. It was 